0: Bible book tour, so we'll look at the, the, this letter of the, uh, to the Thessalonians, and uh, today Thessala- Thessalonica is uh, still an existing city, it's now just called Salonica, and it's the second largest city in Greece, and it's still a, a thriving city of over 300,000 people. Uh, but back in the Bible days, uh, Thessalonica was a seaport town, okay, situated on the Thermaic Gulf. Uh, it's near Mount Olympus and really was considered the capital of the region of Macedonia. Right? It had a large industrial population, and thousands of which were Jews who had a synagogue there. And so let's uh, pick it up here in, in verse 1, chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe, in Macedonia, and Achaia. And so this church was a was a church that. Paul looked to, was thankful for. He, he notes there that he remembers without ceasing all of these things about them, their work of faith, their, their labor of love. And so this church was a, was a joy to, to the Apostle Paul. Uh, the church really was planted by Paul on his second missionary journey. So if you go with me to Acts chapter 17, we see that here in verse 1. And when they had passed through Amphipolis, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Notice there was a synagogue of the Jews. And again, Paul's habit was often to, to seek out the synagogues or places of, of worship or places of learning. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And three Sabbaths, uh, Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and ra- risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And notice verse 4, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But then something happens in verse 5, the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the basest sort. That's a nice way of saying that these were a bunch of thugs, all right? And he says, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. "...and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying." So they were looking for for Paul and Silas. So this is their description of them. "...these that have turned the world upside down, are come hither also. Whom Jason hath received, and these also do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus." And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And so we see there just this, uh, this short account really of Paul's time there. And so we see his visit to Thessalonica is, is, is really it's cut short because of these troublemakers that we read about there, people were getting saved. Lots of Greeks were getting saved. Some of the Jews were getting saved. Some of the chief women of the city had gotten saved. And as a result, these Jews were moved to envy and they started to cause trouble for, for Paul and all of his companions. And so his visit to Thessalonica is cut short because of these unbelieving Jews. And here we read that he has to leave town under the cover of darkness and there they go to Berea. He's soon driven over there and, and then some by, say, by the same vicious Jews are driven out of Berea and they head over to Athens and where, and then Timothy and Silas, they remain in Berea. And so while in Athens, he sends to Timothy requesting that this young helper go back and strengthen the work in Thessalonica, which, uh, which we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Okay, so from Athens, Paul's, Paul goes to Corinth. And then there, at a later date, both Silas and Timothy catch up with him, and then that's where Timothy brings a good report, okay, concerning the work that's been started in Thessalonica, and so Paul is overjoyed, of course, knowing hearing about that and knowing that the situation was uh, pretty, uh, pretty, um, uh, pretty uh, troublesome when he left. There was there was great trouble, and so hearing that there was a, a, the the Christians there, those who had been saved, were continuing. It overjoyed him, and that's where he wrote First and Second Thessalonians from Corinth at this time. So we read the first letter here, and in this first letter, he was written uh, writing to encourage, to establish, right to instruct, and then to inspire. And as we read, the church was uh, mainly composed of, of many Gentiles, but also some Jews, proselytes, and then some chief women. Um, someone said this, Uh, Paul's success in Thessalonica has not been the usual experience of missionaries among the heathen. Carey in India, Judson in Burma, Morrison in in China, and Moffat in Africa waited each seven years for his first convert. But here the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to reap a sudden harvest. And and truly it was, as as we consider here, the, the kind of church that these Thessalonians had become. And here it's significant for us to note that the first letter Paul wrote to any church was to this model church. It really was a model church in Thessalonica. It was pure. It was upright. It was faithful. And if you read through it, Paul had much praise and really nothing to blame. And these new con- converts had a faith that worked, a love that labored, hope which enabled them to patiently bear afflictions and wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And they also had a walk that revealed that they were in the light. And so this was a model church. Uh, Paul teaches the, Th- the Thessalonian Christians strongly as you read through about the second coming of Christ. Okay, Every chapter really closes with teaching on this grand subject. In in chapter 1, it's an inspiring hope in verse 10. In In chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, it's an encouraging hope. In, uh, in chapter 4, in verses 13 to 18, it's a comforting hope. And then we see in the last verse of the, of the book, it's a rousing hope in chapter 5, verse 23. And so uh, out of all the books of the, the New Testament, we see lots of the teaching about the rapture and the second coming. Uh, out of the book of Th- First Thessalonians. So if we were to summarize the whole book in one sentence, it'd be this. Whatever difficulties and sufferings believers experience in this life, the coming Christ is the true hope of the Christian. And so some key facts about the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's the 52nd book of your Bible. Uh, Paul is the author of the book. Again, it was during his second missionary journey that, uh, that we see those uh, souls saved there. Uh, really, Paul establishes three churches along this, this same Roman highway, he establishes Philippi, Thessalonica, and then Berea along this road. Uh, chapter, it's got five chapters, 89 verses, 1,857 words. And the key word really is coming. Because really the, the coming of the Lord Jesus is, 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 a, is, a, is an encouraging hope. It's, a, it's, a, it's right through the book. The, the key verses is, in, uh, is found in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Uh, let's uh, look at that. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And so again, you see there as, as He closes even the first chapter, he's, he's already alluding to and speaking of the waiting of, uh, for, for the Son of God. Some, some interesting facts. No other biblical book, regardless of its size, gives as much space to the rapture as this one, one Thessalonians. Okay, this glorious event is referred to in each of its five chapters. And the passage specifically in chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, is the most detailed single account of the rapture in the Bible. All right? Um, of the many churches he founded... Paul only, uh, only six would receive a New Testament epistle from Paul. Right? Of those six, uh, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians, only the church in Corinth, and here we read in, in Thessalonica, were blessed with two, with two inspired letters. All right? So I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, we know that Paul was hindered by Satan when he was uh, later attempted to visit the city. Uh, look at chapter 2, verse 18. He says it here, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And so we see that Paul had a great desire to return there and do more work there, but they were hindered to do so. Uh, Paul spent at least three weeks in Thessalonica. Uh, we read it in, in chapter seven of, the book of uh, 17 of the book of Acts in the household of Jason. There it was where he organized the church, and and all the while, while he was there, working as a tent maker, so that he wouldn't be a burden to the believers. He said that in in chapter 2, verse 9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. And so, um, perhaps in, in the Apostle Paul's mind, there wasn't going to be a major stop for him. Uh, He had just gone there. He was—he was gonna. It was more like a self-funded type of uh, type of stop that he was gonna make, and there he was, seeing the Lord working. All right. So those are some just some interesting facts. So the purpose of the book really is to give us hope as to seeing our Savior. It's to help us see the reward uh, for our service, comfort for us in our sorrow, with the hope of His coming and then to exhort us to be ready for his coming. Uh, specifically Paul wrote the the letter to commend the Thessalonians for their steadfastness in, through their persecution. As you, as we, we understand even from the outset of their of the inception of the uh, of the church there was already a great uproar in the city and so you could imagine even when the apostle Paul and all of his companions were, were taken away by night the 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 kind of tribulation and trial they would have faced and persecution, and so he was commending them really to, in the first place, to also to defend himself against criticism of his conduct during his stay at Thessalonica. He was reminding them of of the kind of conduct that he had because of the uh, even even though he left in such such controversial circumstances, and really by extension to explain his absence from them. And then also to explain Timothy's visit to them, why he's going to send Timothy over to, to help strengthen them. And I, th- I think for those of you who were here Sunday night, we started to, to look at uh, Timothy and his life. But also to give instruction on personal and corporate Christian living in light of the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In church, it'd, it'd be a good thing for us to, to, to live in that light today. Um, it, it ought to be that, that we're mindful of, That not only did Christ come the one time, the first time, but He's coming again. And and that we will be held accountable at that time. And we need to work uh, while it's day, because night cometh when no man can work. And and so we need to live in that light as well. Uh, But then also to explain events related specifically to to Christ's second coming. So he wrote with all of those uh, as part of his purpose. Uh, A good outline of the book. Really, we can um, just summarize the book. Uh, Some have called it the Epistle of the Rapture. But we can title it, Get Ready for Christ's Coming. And because of that, we need to be the model church in chapter 1. There he highlights their work of faith. In chapter 2, we see the model servant. We see their labor of love. In chapter 3, we see the model life, where he talks mainly about being unblameable in our holiness then in chapter 4, we see the model faith, and that is hoping in Christ's return. But then in chapter 5, also the model action, how we, have, how we ought to be walking in the light. And so again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book on, on how we ought to be as a church. And so the type of Christ that we see mainly in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians is, he, is Him as the coming Lord. And so we look forward to His, uh, his soon return. And so, just a, a lot of things there to, to think about in the book of First Thessalonians. But I want you to note here, as we make a, just a, make some application in in verses uh, First Thessalonians chapter one. Look at verse five again. So he commends them and and, um, and speaks of his great love for them. Then he speaks about the, himself. He says, "For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance." Now notice what he says, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he's saying we came in there and we had the intent of the gospel to speak the gospel. We didn't come with just, just the intent of speaking. it; We came with it in power and in the Holy Ghost. He, he's saying they, they came with that great assurance that, that they were there for a great work. But then he also pointed at the fact that of, of the, the kind of people they were amongst them. They, who's speaking about their testimony and in verse 6, and he says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord. So in, in considering all of that, the gospel and, and the kind of life they were living, they became followers of them in the Lord, having that received the Word in much affliction. And boy, nothing, nothing will show a person's true character and, and true intent and true purpose. other than Nothing will show it other than affliction. They went through great affliction. And here He's saying that you, you went through that as well, but then He says with joy of the Holy Ghost. And again, oftentimes we read through, and, and particularly in the book of Philippians, you read through there the mixture of suffering and, and, and even trial, and then the mixed into that rejoicing and joy. Sometimes from our human minds, it doesn't quite make sense, does it? But in those situations, God gives us joy through the Holy Ghost. And He's reminding them of, of that with them, and then as a result, you'll notice verse 7, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Again, thinking about Thess- Thessalonica as a major city, as a place that, that, that people look to in the world now, people were looking to, from a spiritual point of view, a, a church there that had become an example. And tonight, I just want to give you a challenge where that phrase comes from, in samples to all how we can be examples to all. It says in verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad. So not only was it in their immediate vicinity where they're known for their example, for their faith, it went beyond that and it spread abroad. It's spreading abroad their faith so that we need not to speak anything. It was saying that, that, that before they came into even another city, this church's reputation preceded even the Apostle Paul, preceded even those, those of his companions who, was, who were going around trying to work the work of the gospel. They had heard about this church in Thessalonica. They had heard about this church that, that in, the, in the short space of time, Boy, how would we like that if we had just a, a great ambition to start churches all over Australia and all over the different cities around the world if it was just a three-week three-week, uh, three-week um, outreach, three-week uh, just time period that we were there and a church like this was built. We don't ever, uh, hardly ever see that, do we? And yet we see here recorded in the, in the Bible again for us this, this model church, an ensemble to all. And here this mighty church is being greeted and described by the apostle he he noted the evident way that the gospel came to them and the circumstances that faced them when receiving the gospel we read it early in acts chapter 17 how how those unbelieving jews had gone into the household of jason trying to to wreak havoc and trying to look for paul and his his uh, his companions and and how they were trying to disrupt what what the holy ghost Was so evidently doing. And so we see from the very outset that the Gospel worked powerfully in their midst. And yet, what characterized the Thessalonians wasn't merely their declaration of the Gospel, but their outworking of the Gospel. He already spoke about their their work of faith, their labor of love, their patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of these things were evident. not, Not only were they saying good things, they were doing good things. It was evident about them. And you know, sadly, too many people speak of what God has done in their lives without evidencing what God has actually done in their lives. And if we're not careful, we can, we can, uh, we can say the right things. And we can sound the part. But, but in all actuality, do we play the part? Do we do those things that we declare And I believe that we can't just be mere mouthpieces for the faith, but we need to be examples of the faith. We can't just talk about the faith, but walk the faith that God has given us. And so for for, uh, this church that was an example to all, let's learn a couple of lessons from them. And firstly, I want you to note that this church, they had a pattern to follow. If you note there in verses 5 and 6, they noted the, the powerful way that the gospel had come to them. But it partnered with that was the testimony of those that had gone there. And notice that, that the Apostle Paul, he was saying, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you. And so this, this group of, uh, of, of men that went uh, with Apostle, the Apostle Paul, it wasn't just Paul referring to himself. He was referring to that group that had come in. They had set an example. And so they said, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. You know, often, often the, 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 the reason why there's strength in, this, in a church is because there was a preceding generation that set a good pattern for, for them to follow. And so here he's referring to, them, to, to he and the group. He's saying, we were an example to you. We, we, we came in there with great power, with the gospel in mind. But we were an example to you. We also lived the gospel. We also followed uh, after the, the, the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and we became fo- you became followers of us and of the Lord. And oftentimes, Apostle Paul would exhort those who he wrote letters to that to be followers of him as he also is a follower of Christ. And, and church, listen, tonight uh you could be that that the that, that kind of person that someone can follow, but you firstly that has to precede in your life a, a true fellowship of the lord jesus christ and church listen tonight if if we would be and you know i'm just uh, I was just recalling this afternoon I as I was thinking about this message just a, a time I sat with uh with missionary Doug Sisson over there in general santos city and um and I just you know, I enjoy the conference, and, and we got a lot of good preaching there. But I'm telling you that the three days I spent over in General Santos City, I probably learned more sitting next to that man of God than I did the, the whole time I was there. And he was just encouraging me about some things. And, and I was just talking about the, the state of the church here in Australia, the, the state of the churches. And he was just challenging me about, about the fact that, you know, we ought to, we ought to be the kind of church that can be an example to all the other churches. And, and you know, I, I don't. I, I sort of just sat there and I sort of thought, well, how are we going to do that? It's it's this, if we would follow the example that has been given us already. We have a pattern in the Word of God. We have a pattern that, that is so explicitly clear in the Bible that, that really we have to be twisted to get it wrong. And we have to just be, be the kind of people who are surrendered to the things that are clear in the Scripture, but then also considering the, the historicity of this church. And, you know, I, I'm, that's why I, I'm a big believer in, in preserving heritage for those who are coming after us. Why? Because we, we want to be challenged to set a pattern, an example in our time, just as others set an example and a pattern in their time for each and every one of us. And we can't just sneeze at the fact that there were those who worked hard and labored prior to us coming here. And the reality is this, and, and we have some young people here in, in, our, um, in our congregation tonight. I, I want to challenge you that when it comes to your time, that you don't drop the ball, that you don't drop the baton, that, that there were those of us and those who are who preceded me, who, who worked hard, who labored for the gospel, who sacrificed, who prayed just like we did on this evening and went on and on and did what they could in their time. But what they did was they, had a, they set a pattern to follow. They, we, we have examples to look to. And we can't be afraid of that. We can't diminish that. we we got to understand that as, as we make our day count, that there were those who made their day count. And that we can, we can follow after a good pattern. And, and you know, it, it often is the case that with faith, it's not just merely taught, it's caught. And it's not just us just, just sort of telling the next generation or, or telling those stories. No, it's, it's got to be us doing those things that, that we so boldly declare. So, so, so look to, as, as, uh, as part of our heritage, what are we doing about it in our time? You see, it's so often, uh, isn't it, when we, uh, when we consider even in our, in our children. You know, I was thinking about my children, how, how, uh, how there's some things that I do that I caught from my, my parents and how they set a pattern for me, how, how they prayed for me, and now I pray for my children. And all of that, it's, it's better caught than taught. So, and so firstly, they were an example to all because they also had a pattern to follow. And, and thankfully tonight, uh, that we have, we have a pattern to follow. And we have a pattern to follow in our historicity, but then also we note here, that they came away from a tough beginning. And notice there, he says, having received the Word in much affliction. And we don't need to take the time, but once again, if we refer back to Acts 17, there was a great uproar in the city. It was in that environment where they came out of. And you know what's the sad thing is this. Is this, So often, those who receive the Gospel in comfort live in comfort. And yet, we see here these people, and I know many of your your testimonies. Many of you uh, came and came to the gospel out of great affliction. It may not have been an uproar to the city, it may, may have been a rejection of family. It may have been standing out uh, from amongst your peers. It, it may be through uh, some, sort of, uh, some sort of situation in your life that was hard to, to fathom, hard to take, and maybe you had a tough beginning. But this church was an example because they endured through the affliction they endured through the trial they endured through the hardship and so it cost them something uh, to continue on in the faith and, and there's no church in the world that is a true example who have never gone through the fire who have never gone through the affliction and still have gone on to do something for god and, and someone once said there's no there's no uh, there's no test without the test uh, there's no testimony Without the test. And listen, as we think about this church who was an example to all, who went beyond their region, who went abroad, and and from them sounded out the faith. We see that they were an example to all because they, they endured through those hardships. They, they, they got through their tough beginning. They, they were willing to pay the cost. But then also because they were motivated by a region to influence. Notice uh, here again in verse 7, so that they were in samples to all that believe. And notice this, in, in, in Macedonia and Achaia. You know, these were people that were in their vicinity. These were people that, had, that, that went through and traveled through that city. And you know, um, it's interesting uh, to, to note there that they had a, a local focus, but then they had a global voice. You understand that? You know, th- this church can't be all that it can be and can't be an influence overseas to our missionaries if we don't have a focus on our locality. If we're not doing the job here, if we're not zealous about the things here, if all we're thinking about is how we can be an influence over there, how we can support over there, and we're missing here, then we will never be an example like the Thessalonians were. It starts here. It starts with our focus here. And there were those in that region who knew about this church, who knew about their zealousness, who knew about their labor in love, who their work of faith. And they were watching them. And from there, sounded out abroad. And here they were an example to all because they, had a, they, had, they were motivated by a region to influence, a region to reach. And I hope that we as a church, we're not... We're not uh, we're not so busy focusing on the need of missions outside that we forget that we're a mission field as well. Because you see, everywhere you go is a mission field. And don't mistake that. Don't let anyone else tell you that, that no longer the gospel is needed here. They're mistaken. They're wrong. They've not seen what we see. Maybe they've been away too long. And they've forgotten the need right here. And listen, church, we need to be the kind of church that, that has a, has a real, real motive, a real heart for those that are just right there at our doorstep. You know, I, I was speaking to a couple of our guys who went on the, uh, maybe it was a couple of our guys and girls who went on the Outback trip last year. I'm glad we got to do that. I'm glad we got to go out to the uh, to the west, uh, the western uh, outback of um, of Queensland. You know, I was thinking about out west, three or four hours away from us, out west towards uh, 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 past the Blue Mountains, towards Dubbo and all of those areas. And you know what? Um, there's there's many towns there that are growing bigger and bigger, that still don't have a gospel witness. And I was just chatting with uh, Brother Jim Heberly. Uh, as I saw him last week, we were just talking about what, what a great thing it would be to one day start a word for the West, New South Wales. How, how we can have a heart for our regions. How we can have a heart for those surrounding suburbs around us. But listen, if we're going um, to be the, the kind of church that, that Thessalonica was, we need to have a, a motive and a motivation for the regions around us. But then lastly, and, and really quickly, verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would. And lastly, it was just simply this. They had an unashamed faith. They were just courageous. And notice the word again, for from you sounded out. You know, they didn't whisper. They, they didn't quietly go about their business. No, in fact, the, those ones who started the work there, they were described as turning the world upside down. They were unashamed. And, and here we see they sounded it out. They, 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 you almost see a picture of them shouting it from the rooftops who their Lord is. And, you know, too many times in our Western society, we've been beaten down by the word tolerance. Like, like if we speak out the truth that we're not tolerant at all. And listen, sometimes... We think that the better tact is to do so quietly. But listen, more and more in our time, we need not to hold our peace. We need to shout it out. We need to, we need to just be courageous and be un, unabashed and unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to live out with great, uh, with great fanfare those things that, that are true of us as Christians. Those things that are are so expected of us as believers. You see, everyone knew what they were all about. They had a faith that was Godward. There was no no fakeness about them. They were authentic. No one had to verify that they were the real deal. They just knew. They they were unashamed in their faith. And I wonder if we would be that. You know, we're not not to be a, a light hit under the bushel. But we're to be a city set on a hill. And, and church, listen, I know it's a Wednesday night, but I wonder if we would, just, we, we would just have the mentality this week to be an example that way. That we would be unashamed. That, that we, would, we would endure even the, the hardships that we face today. The hardship of you know, being different, being ridiculed being countercultural, not being like everyone else. I wonder if we would, we would just follow the pattern that we see in the Word of God and in our historicity. I wonder if we would just have a heart for those around us and maybe by the grace of God from this place would sound forth the Word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that You'd help us. Lord, thank You for this great church. In Thessalonica, that you, you, you recorded for us, Lord, all of their attributes. Thank you, dear God, that they had a great hope in your second coming. And Father, we, we similarly do. We look to your, your, your soon return. We look to that time where you'll call us up. And yet, Father, Lord, in that, from now to that time, Lord, there's much to do. There's much to be accomplished for your glory, for your sake. So help us, Lord, to, to be a church that would, would, would be an example. Lord, firstly to each other, but then also to, uh, to the, our, those just outside our doorstep to the regions, and then beyond that, the regions beyond. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as individuals, Lord, to take ownership of that. And we pray and ask these things in Christ, most precious, holy, wonderful name.